Welcome to Story Comic Presents, where we interview amazing storytellers and artists. This is episode 263. I'm your host, Barney Smith of StoryComic.com, and we're excited to have with us the internationally acclaimed and Eisner Award-winning author, illustrator, and graphic novelist, Ben Hatke. Hello. Ben. Nice to see you. How's it going? Yeah. Pretty good. So we were just talking before we went live that you just recently just had a book just come out a couple of days ago as of this recording. And this was yeah. one of your COVID projects. It was called um, uh, Renard's Tale, correct? Yeah, right. Yep, yep. First, do you want to first, before we jump in and start talking about Renard's Tales, for those people that might not have, say, school-age children that might not be familiar with Ben Hatke, award-winning illustrator and, and writer do you want to give people a little bit of background of um, oh sure how you got yeah. into your work for the past 10 or 15 years i've been mostly doing uh sort of middle grade graphic novels and picture books uh mm -hmm. two formats that i've been that i've loved very much um so i did uh the zeta the space girl trilogy that followed that with um uh mighty jack which also turned into a trilogy well that was a, a sort of a modern retelling of Jack and the Beanstalk, which dovetailed into the, the Zeta universe and became its own sort of uh, trilogy on, on its own. Uh, and then uh, my picture book, and, and these, things, these, these things end up dropping from the trees in threes, uh, <laughs> but Julia's House for Lost Creatures uh, was my first picture book and, and ended up with, with two sequels as well. Uh, wow. Then uh, we were talking about Dungeons and Dragons. Uh, the, the book I get the most notes and feedback and letters from readers, et, et cetera, about is Nobody Likes a Goblin, which yeah. is a, a picture book about, let me grab it. Here we go. Picture book about a little goblin who runs off to, to some terrible adventurers come into the dungeon and uh, steal away his best friend, Skeleton. And so Goblin goes out into the wide world uh, to save skeleton. So yeah, picture books, comics. Really think of myself as a, as a as sort of an all around storyteller at this point, working in various various mediums. And yeah, and so uh, just just today I finished. Um, honestly, just I am now I'm working on just spelling and grammatical things. I finished the last lines of a hundred thousand word young adult novel. Wow, which is being yeah, which I'm going to send off to my editor. Uh, next which is like it's an official project there was a previous draft of it and i have just gone right. back and redrafted it uh so now i think it's i think it's about i think it's about there so i'm i'm hoping that'll be out next year um, and are you gonna have your own illustrations on this as well and i think a map in the front but other than that no uh, okay it's gonna, gonna stand on its words i first discovered you and when, when my daughter brought back mighty jack Okay. And, yeah. And I said, this guy looks familiar. And this was like a few years ago. She goes, yeah, because we read Zeta the Space Girl before. Oh, okay. Like, this yeah. is the same guy. Okay. Yeah. And and so I picked up and I read Mighty Jack. And I love the fact how you're able to combine, like the third Mighty Jack book combines with Zeta the Space Girl is in there. It was this epic 
it was like this <laughs> epic, you know, um, you know, Avengers Endgame situation yes. where they combine the Marvel you, crossover. Yeah, yeah, it was a big crossover event that happened on there. And so I'm very curious about that world building aspects of, sure. of how you're doing this. And I know that you uh, you said in one of your one of your Q and A's is that you mentioned that you love your, as you say, the, the sweetness of what you do is like, you love creature design, you love environment <laughs> design. For sure. Um, talk to us a little bit about what are some of the world building aspects on that thing that you consider more workhorse, more uh, the things that you more struggle on. Is it maybe like creating governments or politics or languages? What are some of the things that uh, you work more towards that are harder for you? Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of structural stuff to storytelling. I feel that um, there was a there was a lot of like, uh, especially in the book that um, that I was just talking about that I just finished. There, um, that is also has a strong fantasy element in it. Um, right. And and for me, it was it ended up being one of the difficulties was was having them, and it sounds so. It shouldn't not be this problematic, but but having the the the, the magic makes sense sort of mechanically almost like uh and 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 this this story deals a little bit with like fairy hearts and they're divided they're divisible so you can get like a portion of a fairy heart and and um and like like that creature can keep the other portion of the heart and whatnot and whatnot and then like just that being able to happen just made a lot of um i guess logistical problems in the story that you have to be like explain like where is this half a heart where is that half a heart what happens if both of them are together you know like there was all this stuff and there are times when you can paint things with a very broad brush like where did these creatures come from oh you know um and then there are times when you want to tighten up more fleshed out backstory to it but then the more you tell the more those those things are seen and sort of lodged in the reader's mind and then if you if you if you cross that then, then it's like, oh shoot! Like, you've got to keep a lot of these things straight in your own mind. So, there, so there are lo- there are logistical things like that that I feel like get even in simple stories can be complicated. Um, but then there's like uh, there's other times when it's just a joy to just be like, nope, in this world robots are like this, and I don't have to explain why. You know, um, <laughs> you could just take it as 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 go. So, like uh, one of the projects that I really have good memories of working on is uh his little robot was a joy from start to finish and it's a simple the world of it is fairly simple it's it's right our world except um some pretty sophisticated robots do exist a little girl finds uh a, a box falls off a truck floats down the river and this this very very small girl finds finds this box activates the robot and then has to essentially like teach the robot how to walk and also they become friends and and to me i think when i look at the book i think that the complexity of the book is the complexity of friendship right like Mm. what what brings friends together what pulls at a friendship you know like all these little emotions are i feel like the complexity to me um but then the fact that how does the robot work that it does it barely matters the robot is essentially a creature right. and we kind of get a glimpse of the factory where it's from and it could lead you like it would lead some curious readers to questions about that world but right. on the other hand leaving that fuzzy gives you this sense of mystery it's almost like like star wars 
universe comes to collapsing under its own under its own weight of how much it's told, right? It, it, under its own complexity, I guess. So, like you're talking about before with like the the, the magic and and that is that in Renard's sure. is that in the Renard's tale? No, no, I was thinking that. more of the 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 novel that I I turned in just now. That oh, was, that like, one. That, okay, that deals a right. lot with like like no Renard is is almost storytelling poetry in a way i feel like and that sounds uh, that maybe sounds too fancy but um but it's very uh it's very much more concerned with like emotions rather than like how things work well it's very much like the um it felt in a way like pure storytelling in a way that um or what i had hoped storytelling would feel like in sort of like the, the like the like the earlier storytelling traditions, like there's like the other thing I was talking about at, our, at an event the other night is um, we have like there's a long history of, of of animal stories and animal stories using animal stories to tell us about ourselves, and uh, it, like we think about wind in the willows, right? Like at one point, like it says something about oh toad combing his hair, oh that's that's like we don't really think about that, and then there's like rat. Uh, the water rat lives in a hole by the river, but like Toad lives in this big house and drive and gets a car and drives it around. Right. And you're like, well, what what parts are they animals and what parts are they people? And and you're just like, you kind of that part of your brain isn't as uncomfortable shutting off. I think we're getting less comfortable shutting that part of our brain off than we used to be. Um, because when you go back to like the like the Norse myths, you think like, how big are the uh, are the frost giants? How big are they? There are stories where they're all sitting, where the, the like Thor and and those guys are sitting at the table with the frost giants. There are other stories where Thor gets lost in this cave with the five tunnels going off it, and then you realize, oh, he's in the glove of a giant. And you're like, but wait, they could also sit that. It's, but you don't ask those questions. It's like right. whatever the story you're telling needs gets that. And this felt a little, or the, doing the Reynard story felt a little closer to that. I, what, what, what the king that is trying to get Reynard to come in is king of. He's just right. the king. Right. <laughs> so, I don't know. And no, so to for for that question so what were some of your inspiration um as you say this was kind of like a covid project for you doing yeah. Renard's tale how did how did this kind of coalesce how did it get together wow um so when so reynard as a character gosh i think i drew reynard in 2014 when i was doing like a little um sort of an sort of an inktobery type thing where I was mm. going to do a little series of, of magic users. I had sort of a vague idea of a world where magic is a little bit more of a sword and sorcery world where magic sort of is felt to be low and kind of a, a like a not very respectable pro profession. You shouldn't do it. It's kind of dirty. Um, right. And then um, and to, when, when you use magic, you yourself start to change a little bit. Um, and, and it will change different people in different ways. So I drew all these weird wizards. Like one of them was like Emirate the Handsome. And every time he casts, he, like everybody loves him, but every time he casts a spell, he gets a little bit smaller. And so here he is sitting on the edge of a boot. He's, he's finally gotten that small. Um, there's one guy who was so, who'd used magic so much that he was just a floating barrel full of goo, dripping goo. Um, uh uh there are a bunch of these different ones one was just like a cloak with a huge eyeball coming out of it and um 
uh, and two of the characters from that, one was uh, the Clockwork Conjurer, who shows up in, in this book. Uh, and, then there, and then the other one is Renard, and he was sort of like, that, like in that original bit of illustrations, the original version of him was like, oh, he was sort of this magic using hunter kind of guy. And it turned him more fox-like as he, as he used magic. And then after that, he just sort of lurked around in my sketchbooks for a long time and became more closely bound with the historical medieval Renard stories. Uh, when COVID first came up, we had a family who were good friends of ours um, and he sold, um, he, was, he was a wine seller to different restaurants. And of course the restaurants are all closed. A, a bunch of friends sort of organized a wine pickup uh, to kind of um, keep that end of his business afloat. And I had agreed, I, I was like, okay, all the first, first 10 people to pick up, to do the wine pickup, will get a uh, piece of art. I don't know what I'm, I had no plan of what I was going to do. Right. They all ended up being pictures of Renard and this minstrel just doing different things. But there was always a bottle of wine in the picture. There was always a little bit of music in the picture. There was always like, a, like or an open book or something like this. Um, just, but no story, just, just this. And then the, the amount of time that Renard started popping up in my sketchbook sort of kicked up and uh uh then another another good friend um was talking about doing an inktober kind of project mm. and um and she started talking about like well what are you what are you gonna uh, i wasn't really planning on doing anything but it stuck in my mind and then i just started telling the story it's mm. one of the first times that with with that um with less planning than i think it was a little bit more conversational uh, like me conversing with storytelling uh than than it has right. been in the past with other books and that, which was maybe another reason why i'm quite taken with this so this this was um, a, um, almost like it was a passion project for you then that you're able to get published oh very much yeah 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 very much i was i, I wasn't even thinking i was making a book at the time mm. um so i was i was thinking i was just doing a, a project even though i wasn't thinking of making a book it's still one of the inspirations was edward gorey's book the unstrung harp it's a very Edward Gorey book. It's it's odd and interesting and and it very meandering and um, it's just about a writer who's a bit of a recluse who's trying to write a book. But but structurally it was similar. It was like um, the Unstrung Harp is like thirty two pages, um, thirty two illustrations and thirty two blocks of text, which which I just thought was just like I just really like that format like i mean it's very simple but it's like uh right. liner illustration bit of text go uh, so i'd like to see more books like it even I'm not saying that i'm gonna do them i just i like the format i would like to see a more uh slightly older audience book in that format I'm trying to like right. the idea of trying to make the books that you want to read what part of that creativity hits you first do you draw a picture and then figure out a story behind it or do you write something out and then see the image after you write it out yeah i feel i hear i used to be like well they're i used to think like oh these two things are like equal right mm. um and now i these days i do feel like i'm i i'm very primarily visually oriented and and i feel like i used to feel like uh like either that was giving words short shrift or I don't know. But I was reading about how uh, C.S. Lewis was talking about the creation of a Narnia book. 
and how it all spun out from an image in his head of a snowy landscape with a lamppost in it and a fawn. And that image just kind of, and a font, a font specifically with a package. Of, and, and that is still, it, I, I think that continues to be like the most striking image in probably all the Narnia books is Mr. Tumnus walking with his umbrella and his parcels under the, uh, in the snow under the lamppost. And you can see how that vi the image just sort of like uh, stuck with him and spun out into, into a book. And I feel like, I feel like for the most part, that's, that's how it is for me. Things will, things tend to start visually right? Um, and build from there. But that being said, I, I like, I'm almost, I feel like I'm almost too structural in my storytelling then. Um, <laughs> I'm, I'm too much of a planner once I get going. Right. It depends on the genre of the audience you're thinking about that you have to actually put some backstory and explain things. Cause you yeah. mentioned about the robot stories. Like, you know what? I don't need to explain this. The older the audience, you feel like you have to do more substantial world building with that. Yeah. I don't know. I think, I think it depends, depends on the, the, the needs of the story also. Yeah. Uh, every story seems to have its own um, vibe and its own mm. set of set of needs and its own set of like um, you're like I, and that and still is the part that I like about it is when um, you feel like it's really good it's really at its best when when you are you feel like you are wrestling with with an unknown thing that is also right. talking back at you <laughs> and they like like I, I you can plan a story out, but I like to hold on to that sort of weird mystical element where where you are are, are working with the unknown thing and, and it becomes you have the idea for the story, but it never ends up being what you thought. Right. And um and you kind of have to be okay with that, right? Right. Because I mentioned you do thumbnails, but do you yeah. script it out and then thumbnail or do you thumbnail I, and script it out? Yeah. So my my method is to uh kind of get the the story in very broad strokes okay uh and that that'll happen in both a, a sketchbook and in um a notebook right just kind of like this 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 happens right oh and at the middle point then they find out it's this ah right and then at the same time i'm kind of drawing characters over and over again drawing land like for mighty jack it would be the garden just just kind of living in the sketchbook kind of keeping it really loose then I like really I do plot plot it out rather it's not a script I, so I don't I don't really do um, I'll outline the whole thing as if I'm telling you about a movie that I saw in detail like everything that happened in the movie like and then they did this and it, it was this but they thought it was going to be this but oh, it turned out to be that and I'll just write that all out um, and then I go to thumbnails and that's when the sort of dialogue comes in and that and and goes and that feels very much like shooting a movie right that feels like you're going because you're all in the thumbnails then you're locking in camera angles oh now right now we're seeing them from above and she's saying right. this and he's saying this and i maybe know what the argument is but the dialogue will come in there okay and then when, when you do that so do you all right from the right from the get-go do you just do pencil on paper or do you go straight to digital with anything thumbnails are that feels like the part where I'm writing the book. That feels the part where I'm making okay. the book. Um, and, right. and, and that, those are all on, those are on like printer paper. Like okay, and it feels right. so yeah. messy and nice. Like it all, you know, yeah. I maybe have a pen in my hand. Maybe I have a pencil in my hand. I don't know. It's very <laughs> grungy. Now the, now the, the current 
version of that process is to take a picture of each thumbnail with a phone, import all those in, make those a PDF. Okay. Completely illegible. Uh, but then I will go through it with my editor and I'll basically, we'll get on the phone for like an hour and then an hour the next day. And just, I, I will just tell her the story and explain to her what each of these drawings is. Because right. if somebody, if you're looking at the drawing and somebody's telling you what it is, you're like, oh, okay, I, I get it. So yeah. like, see, it's a person. Oh, okay. So it's almost like story time. And then, and then I get like that feedback, tweak the thumbnails. And then, um, but then the thumbnails end up being a, a map to the final art. They're finished right. enough that I can look at them and be like, then I put down a, a, a new page. Then I get my ruler out and I do, I ink okay. the new page. Um, okay. And then scan those. And then they're they're set for coloring. So you do everything analog in that sense. You don't digitally draw any of that, though. I uh, don't digitally draw very much. Um, right. And then I also I also uh, I digitally letter my my books. I actually hand letter everything, but I okay. do that with a stylus. Um, but it is me writing the all the letters. All the letters really? are me writing letters. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. And I actually like that's the digital that's digital work I like. I like like here's the balloon as like I write in the dialogue. Wow. Um, okay. So, so that's fine. It's a little no. I think I think it's a little annoying to the to publishers. Not bad enough that they tell me not to do it. So, <laughs> so that's all right. This book, curious things in the. I don't know if we can see this. Fair. This is these are loose proofs, but there is. Okay. Um. There's the cover to things in the basement, and then the back cover is. Uh, the back cover is um, uh, Rodin's Gates of Hell. Oh, right. And then um, this is the inside. This is the. Uh, this would be underneath the the dust jacket. Here's Milo oh, wow. crossing the the cave in the underground uh, underground lake. So nice. so this book was um, this book was uh, done in first book I did in like really soft dark pencil. So. Hmm. Um, Really, instead of instead of properly inking this book, it's all it's all um, pencil tones. It's all rough, um, like ebony pencil, uh, right. to give it because it's an underground journey. Uh, it's like sort of an underworld story, so it gives it that, that the darks and lights. <clears throat> and then, um, and then my friend Zach Giolongo colored the book, and he okay. just sort of like so he took my blacks and whites and he he did the color work and just brought it to life. It was uh, <laughs> it was very exciting. That that part was very exciting to me. Um, right. Um, seeing what he did with the colors. <clears throat> so, so one of the so one of my questions that I I wrote after reading you know your Mighty Jack the Third installment, and I I, I said you know listen I think get Ben on the show you have to ask him this question. Do you is there a shared like Hatke universe like do all of your stories interconnect like. Is it conceivably, conceivably speaking, I mean, is there like Julia's House of Lost Creatures? Is that in the same world as Zeta and Jack? As uh, the Goblin, is that part of the Goblins that probably are sp spread out? Because you've created these different dimensions in a way that you've sure. already established. Is this one whole shared universe? Okay, so the, the, the super nerdy answer is I, I do think about that. <laughs> I'm almost embarrassed that, yes, I do think about this. The graphic novels all exist together in one sort of shared universe. So that's uh, the Mighty okay. Jack books, the Zeta books, and Little Robot all mm -hmm. do exist. And the girl from Little Robot is briefly seen in, um, in Mighty Jack. 
okay. she's at the flea market walking along. And um, so she exists in that world. And then the picture books, uh, the Julia's house books and nobody likes a goblin. Uh, uh, they, they also exist. They exist in their own world and really? uh, the troll and they, that their world is a little bit more uh, flowy because okay. I feel like a uh, goblin story and Julia's story are, are very set apart in time, but it's the, the, the picture book world feels a little bit more like the Muppets where there's all these characters and they're just telling stories with, you know, like, like, oh, and the great Muppet caper, they're, they're reporters. Uh, now, yeah. the other ones, they're just Muppets. Uh, um, yeah. And now it's, now it's Muppet Christmas Carol, but it's still Gonzo. Yeah. Uh, it feels a little bit more like that. So, like, the troll uh, in, in Nobody Likes a Goblin is definitely the same troll in Julia's house. Like, there he is. He's exactly the same. So, um, so it's like a, a it's like it's there. like a different character, but the same actor almost. Like it's like the, sort of, like yeah, the yeah, Muppet, yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah. That's that's how it feels. That's how it feels. Yeah, and and I and I don't know. Um, and then I but the, then with the most recent graphic novel, like the Milo story, that one feels like it's in yet another sort of okay non non crossing over world. So, right. yeah. have you ever thought about taking, like, for instance, like that, like sp specifically that the Mighty Jack and Zeta universe, making that mm. into a like a role playing game module at all, letting people play in the world that you've created? <laughs> I mean, that seems that yeah, that would be that would be a blast. Um, <laughs> that seems like the kind of work that I'm not good at. <laughs> <laughs> I don't. I don't think that would be my job. I think if somebody wanted, if, I think if a gaming company wanted to do that, I'd be like, "Let's do it." Uh, I will yeah. super duper consult on that project. But in in terms of like putting a project like that together, man, I don't know. Because I'm not good at like I think like 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 well, we were talking about magic systems. I feel like game mechanics right. would be a little bit the same for me, where I'd be like mm, a little harder for me. And role playing, like I'm very much a. I'll pick a character that I can role play real well, right? And so I, I in D and I tend to avoid magic users because it's a lot of rules, and and right. I, uh, I'd rather I, I'm more like interested in like, but why, how does the character feel? You know. So what know. do you, you mostly play like bards and thieves? Is that what you seem like? Is that yeah, a, yeah, yeah. I I, I, yeah. I go to that, or even like just like a basic rogue, but has an interesting story. Even more, even more recently, I've just been doing like fighters. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I had a monk character for the longest time, Brother Hambone, and he was great. Um, <laughs> that was that was a fun one, and I only had to keep track of like a certain number of feats and things, so it was a right. little easier. Right. I mean, because you you mentioned in a previous interview that one of your major inspirations, and you said it earlier, is Jim Henson in a way, and that's for how sure. you love yeah. the creature design and the environment design of just really just letting your imagination go wild with the advent of saying with like 3d printing has there been any uh any pieces of you wanting to take at least some like the robots you've made in, in creating like 3d designs for those or i've thought about uh i've thought about making little models just for just for drawing okay uh, um you know to put a light on the character and being like okay let's stay on model i've never really had to do that but i do in one of the most exciting things that happened with a friend was uh, when I was working on um, Mighty Jack and the Goblin King, there is a car chase with the giants through the castle at the end. <laughs> I'm sorry, that's a spoiler, but uh, <laughs> Lily finds a, an old um, Shelby Mustang 
my and I was like, oh shoot, I, I don't like drawing cars. And then a friend of mine <laughs> found like a, a rotatable model. Like this was years ago. You found like a 3D model that could rotate. And I was like, yes, this changes everything. I could just <laughs> rotate it here and hit like digitally. And I'd always had that car at the exact angle that I needed. And that was that was fantastic. But then as far as as far as um, models of characters go, let me see if I can grab this real quick. What's been one of the most lovely things that has happened um, through the years, people have, have sent me um, models of characters that they've made. Oh, yeah, the so robot. A, yeah. a good friend of mine who actually, he's an amazing guy. He runs, his, he, ha, he runs a circus show in Las Vegas. And he's like sort of the MC or the ringmaster of this show. He's very Piper-esque. But he, his family loves the Zeta books, and he made a one, and one, oh, one it front open up opens good. up. Oh, and that's magnet, awesome. And it's got all the um, stuff. You can magnet his various devices onto it, so you can, you can have a <laughs> little laser cutter there, all these things. So he's got that, and then he made, uh, he made a Strong Strong as well. Oh, wow. Really awesome. And then uh, uh, earlier this year, another uh, another person who follows the books, out of the blue, uh, sent one of the little little um, oh, onion wow. head guys from from Mighty Jack as well. But they, these things like have shown up through the years, and it's just been wonderful. I I, I almost want to leave that to other people to do uh, to engage right. with it, to engage with the stories, you know, um, right. and, and and receiving that kind of thing. Like I have a PO box now, that's just been a treat as well. Um, because you just kind of never know what's going to show up. When you know. <laughs> so just put the PO box up, box up on the website, get a lot of really nice letters from kids, and then every once in a while, surprise. And so, like you said, you have um, that. You said that things in the basement is mm -hmm. coming out this year, correct? Yeah, that's coming out at the end of August. Yeah. Okay. All right. And uh, as of this recording, you mentioned that as of this recording last week, you had you just had that Renard's Tale came yeah. out. Is this going to be a trilogy? Are you going to accidentally make a trilogy book for with Renard? Do you think? No, I don't. I, I don't. I don't believe so. <laughs> Every once in a while, I think a book is just its own little thing. It'll be its own right. little thing. But I say that now. Who knows? So Ben, if if people want to learn more about your work, if where's the best place they could go to? Uh, right now, uh, my online presence is mostly. Uh, I have a, a a blog online that I I just okay. quietly blog on. That's benhatke.com. Those are just thoughts. Um, right. I, I post a lot on Instagram. That's where like some of my new stuff. I don't actually have a front page, but uh, a lot of my most interesting stuff is up on Patreon now. Okay, and good. I keep a lot of those posts open for everyone, so you don't. Okay. Um, you can see a lot of stuff without actually signing up, and it's just a like there's just a single like three dollar tier, but the Patreon is where I put um, oh experimental projects, uh, all the all the various right. other things I'm doing and. Um, examinations into various i don't know arrow arrow projects and things like that so and you yeah. just now did i read correctly that you're actually making a hawkeye comic as well uh yes uh there's an anthology coming out uh i don't offhand remember the date okay. that story is done uh, uh, marvel was doing a a uh like a young readers anthology with a story all these different characters and every every artist or every every creator does it does one character and then they're all gathered together in this anthology, and each each story is like six pages. So you want to get to the heart. the The goal is to get to the heart of the character in six pages with a real simple mm -hmm. story. 
one of the things I love is archery. So when they, and I got the invitation to this, uh, it came through my agent and I actually, I actually told her, I was like, I, I want to do Hawkeye or nothing. I, I, I'm not, or I'm not interested. And I was like, I was only half joking. Like I couldn't really think of another character that would have been open that I would really have jumped on. Um, right. And like, and it's also funny because I don't think nobody else was really like, competing for hawkeye and so, <laughs> you can totally do the hawkeye story okay um so that that was actually that was actually really fun that was a really good experience yeah. and also it was just right. like nice to dip your toe in um right. six page story no problem right both hawkeyes kate bishop and clint barton so right that's okay. amazing yeah. and was it was it fun to kind of like you know draw him in your style as well yeah it was totally fun yeah um yeah. Uh, and the, the ske- doing the sketches was was a blast. Like just kind of like because I didn't know you don't know ahead of time. Like I mean, I draw him. Like I draw. I haven't really drawn very many pictures of of him before. So um, so filling sketchbook pages with that was, was was cool. Did you have to? Did you invent any like Ben Hatke esque arrows or anything that had any? Uh, did I? Yes, I I invented a couple arrows. One was uh, an the blindfold arrow. So that okay. hits into the wall and then these little ribbons shoot out. And if you shoot it right at eye level, all these ribbons uh, will shoot out over everybody's fa- heads and they bump <laughs> into each other and fall down. Uh, and then, oh gosh, I think that was the only really good one I did. I mean, I, I, I did one that opens up a hole, like a molecular displacement arrow that, like a pin particle arrow that opens right. up a hole in the floor, but that doesn't seem that, that amazing. But the blindfold arrow, I was, I was proud of. That's a really fun one. Yeah, fun okay. One. Yeah. yeah. And it'll probably have the, that wispy like lines to it that you're already, you're really good at, too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The curvy, wiggly lines. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> my, and my editor once said, oh, Ben Heck, you draw the, the best wiggles. Because um, <laughs> I, I do like to do those undulating lines. Right. Yeah. You, you know what you need to do? Now you actually have to get like a coffee cup made that says, I draw the best wiggles. And you Ooh, that's like a good one. Yeah. 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 Maybe that'll show up in my P.O. box. Who knows? There you go. <laughs> well, perfect. Well, thank you so much, Ben. This has been a genuine pleasure chatting yeah. with you. And you. you're welcome anytime. Anytime you have a new book coming out, come on over. Right. It's been yeah. great chatting with you. Let me know. Yeah, that'd be great. My other side here is a friend of mine gave me um, a piece of wallpaper, blank mottled wallpaper years ago. And um, I kept this rolled up in a tube and, uh, and eventually made um, Thorin's map. So that's Thorin's okay. map from The Hobbit. Uh, and I made this before, uh, I think, let's see, she gave me that in 2000. I don't know. I, 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 I want to say it was before the movies. And then when I saw the movies, uh, there, there's I think it's in Lord. I think it's in the Fellowship of the Ring where it kind of pans across the desk, and you see Thorne's map, but it's clearly been folded in fourths. You know, uh-huh. so it's got those creases in it. And I kind of want to open open this back up someday and uh, and just fold it, put those creases in, make it a little bit little bit more um, gnarled up, I guess.